this you just don't get, huh? Lord, let me know if you got us. Preaching about profits. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to the goddess. Goddess, got it? Hello and welcome to the Strong Women Power Half Hour, your podcast and radio show to empower, encourage, and educate you on your path through womanhood. I'm your host and women's empowerment specialist, Kelly Hickey, a Newfoundlander, a Canadian coming to you from a city just south of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. My my little cheerleader here is... My daughter, Violet, who is six, and she has asked uh, to be a part of the podcast today for our International Women's Day special. Uh, Oh my goodness, sweet listeners, Uh, so happy to have you here with us uh, today. Uh, It has been a minute. Uh, There's been much going on in our lives And uh, uh, we moved houses um, in a much better place here now, Um, living and trying to rent in a housing crisis. Whoa, we really uh, had our eyes open to that. Um, And uh, we went on a trip um, to France on our own little family pilgrimage to see um, uh, cave paintings. And uh, we visited Lourdes. Uh, I'll talk about that uh, in our next... (laughs) Bless you. I'll talk about that in our next um, uh, podcast because this one is is our special International Women's Day um, uh, episode, and um, I'm so happy to be able. This is the fourth time Sorogeny and I have done this. Um, we 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 met at CHMR, our radio station, um, and uh, just kind of brainstormed it, um, and it's been wonderful just to get together. And I'm so proud and happy, and was delighted to even be a part of this, and just to hear these fantastic women speak and to share their ideas. And it, it was just you know, steel sharpens steel is what they say. So. Um, uh, you know, just like any interview, it may take a minute to get going. Uh, I would say the, the last half is definitely the, the best half because um, we're in our groove and we're all we're all so excited to talk. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, please have a listen. It's a longer one. I couldn't bear really to cut anything. Um, so please, uh, you know, maybe this could be a listen in a one or a two times. And uh, hopefully we'll bring you to a new episode soon. But you got a lot of gorgeous, juicy support, encouragement, um, and truth here in this podcast uh, episode I'm so happy to share with you. Uh, But before we get into that, in the spirit of International Women's Day and lifting each other up, my amazing daughter Violet would like to share a few words uh, with you. Um, So the floor is yours, sweet girl. Um, Happy, happy Strong Women's Day, um, (laughs) everybody. Um, My name is Violet Dahaki. Um, we, we can't, we have to stop people throwing garbage. It hurts Mother Earth. If we want to save Mother Earth, we, we have to, we have to help her not throwing garbage around. Help Mother Earth and we will be free as a bird. Never letting go who you really are. Always being yourself. It might be hard leaving your home. And your love, and, and your and your family, your best best friends that were like your sisters. 
It's hard, but I went through it. You can do hard things, can't you? And then, and then, and then all of a sudden it seems not bad, but your heart will will hurt for a few days because your heart will be in big pain because you lost your biggest family and your biggest friends. And then, and from Strong Mimico program, I am soon gonna wrap up. Uh, robot almost gonna get out of good charge. Wait, what you're saying is true. What you're saying is true is you can do hard things and you can survive hard things. Robot says yes, I can do hard things. Robot, can I talk to Violet again? Okay. Hey, Violet, is that you? Yes. It's lovely to see you again. Uh, so you can do hard things, yes? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm talking with a famous woman, my mother. Uh, if you ever want to hear our podcast, is look on Stop Me Because with UB Rocket. I do, I do think that um, we do have a uh, co-podcast in the future, hey? Uh, yes, and also I got this song I want to share. Oh, my. Okay. Um, the moon shines light when the sun goes down. Oh. Waiting till the sun comes up, having the sun down, makes the moon up. When the sun is up, your heart will feel warm and love. Wow, 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 wow. Just made up on the I, spot. I, any closing remarks, sweet girl? Yes. Happy International Women's Day. Um, good luck. And strong medical. Whoop whoop. Oof, turn down the volume on that one. All <laughs> right. Uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mad mega love. <laughs> All right. I'll let uh, Sarojini uh, and her show Caribbean Connections yeah. take it away. <laughs> love you guys. Talk soon. Yes, I. We're jamming with Sarojini on Caribbean Connections, 93.5 FM, chmr.ca. Welcome to this year's International Women's Day panel discussion with Caribbean Connections and CHMR. We have some remarkable inspirational change makers here with us today. So let's get things rolling along with our introductions. Each one of our amazing panelists will tell you who they are and what they are passionate about. So without further ado, allow me to tell you who we have here today. First, we have Barb Walsh radio host and community advisor, Daiden Ashanta, founder, resilient foreigner, Kelly Hickey, founder and director, Strong Women Co., and Renata Lang, diversity officer, organizer, and consultant. And me, your host and moderator, Sarojini. I am the creator, producer, and host of Caribbean Connections, and an informal and formal mentor to students at 
Memorial University of Newfoundland and Labrador. So without further ado, we'll have each one of our panelists introduce themselves. So starting with Barb Walsh, take it away, Barb. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you for inviting me to be a part of this panel. Thank you for um, um, having me here today or thinking of me. I really do appreciate it. Uh, my name is Barb Walsh. I'm the host of the radio show Barb and Around on the CHMR 93.5. Um, I come with a background in social services um, as an educator at a community college in, from Ontario and also management and settlement services. And now um, my new professional role, which is the advisor for Black-centric programming for the Association for New Canadians. Um, so, you know, I've done a lot. I've done a lot in my life and I'm really happy to be here right now in Newfoundland in this moment with all you wonderful ladies today. Thank you so much, Barb. That's fantastic. And we're going to move on over to Dinan Ashanta. Take it away, Dinan. Thanks so much, Charles Jeannie. I'm Dyden Ashanta. Um, I'm originally from Jamaica, but now a proud Newfoundlander. Uh, I spent over a decade um, working in the field of TESOL, that's teaching English to speakers of other languages, whether as an instructor or program facilitator. And now I currently work um, with Moray University School of Graduate Studies in the role as a recruitment and retention coordinator. All of this really ties into something that I've spent more than two decades um, living and learning about, which is the experience of temporary residents in whichever part of the world they find themselves. And so my biggest passion is cultivating personal resilience because this is the foundation of um, supporting the social integration of people like international students or foreign workers whenever they end up in a new country and most of all, a new culture. And so through my company, Resilient Foreigner, I've been offering support to people all over the world um, last time I checked, every continent has been hit by my work, um, allowing people to um, avoid things like um, the cultural fatigue, social isolation, and even just financial insecurity that everyone deals with when they end up in a new country with no one around that they know from home. Um, so I'm really thrilled to be here and to throw my voice in, my experience, my thoughts about how we can um, advance the um, rights and, um, and uh, you'd say, the gifts of women that we bring to make this world a better place. Fantastic. Thank you, Dyden. And of course, we have a Newfoundlander living in the Netherlands, and I have to give a big shout out to Kelly because I know she's had a lot on the go in the last week with no Wi-Fi and traveling, but she's going to tell us all about that. We all do appreciate it, Kelly. Thank you. Take it away. Uh, thanks so much, Sarojini. Can't believe this is our fourth year doing this. Remember when we I came know. up with this idea, just like spitballing? I think it might have been one of our first times even meeting where we're like, we should yep. do a show. It should be for International Women's Day. We could do this. And here we are four, four years later. So, so good. Uh, so, yes, uh, I am a Newfoundlander 
um, uh, living in the Netherlands. Uh, it was so cool to hear about uh, your work, Dieted in your company, um, uh, Resilient Foreigner. Like that is so cool because I, I've had an eye-opening experience coming and living and being uh, in, a, in a different country in a new culture. So uh, the work you're doing, this sounds like so great because it's, it's hard to be uh, cohesive in a brand new kind of culture. Uh, but in that experience, I certainly have uh, got to know a lot about myself uh, and uh, a lot about the world. And I ha- I've never been such a big Canadian in my life. <laughs> this, this is the, na- the na- na- national identity, right? Like, especially as a Newfoundlander, being Canadian is kind of like secondary. But uh, no, I am such a big Canadian because I can see my values. And part of my Canadian values is equality. Is, is is inclusion, embracing diversity. Um, and that's always been who I was and who I how I anchored myself uh, in, my, in my homeland in Canada and to live in a country that actually doesn't really value those things the same. Uh, there's, there's a different kind of um, history and culture here. So uh, I've gotten uh, some, some great um, uh, just, just juxtapositioning uh, for all that. But uh, when I was in Newfoundland, I got my first degree in psychology at Memorial University, and I got my master's uh, in gender studies. And then I hopped on a plane to go work with an all-male crew uh, in the desert in the States because I was sick of preaching to the choir. And I wanted to learn. I I was very interested in advancing women's equality at at that particular time uh, through uh, economics because we live in a capitalist society currently. And the way to one of the ways that we can get more power is to have uh, more more money and have better careers that uh, allow us to have more freedom. Uh, in our lives, allow us to get out of bad relationships if we want uh, and all that. So I, I worked in a, uh, with an all-male crew down in the States and I learned a lot and I got promoted to crew chief. I was the only woman for that company working down um, in the desert. Uh, and then when I came home, I worked at the Office of Advanced Women Apprentices. So I worked at Women in Trades, so working with all women then. And then I went to another job where I got an offer uh, to be the first female uh, Carpenters Union uh, rep. Uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador. So I was working with all men again. And so I've had this juxtapositioning of all men, all women. And I faced uh, a lot of, uh, in the Carpenters Union, there was many supportive colleagues that, and I, and I, I, the work was great, but I had one particular bully uh, who was, you know, just your old school, very threatened by me because I was good at my job. And I wanted to stay in that job. And uh, there was just no resources for me. I went to everyone. I was dealing with sexism every day. Mm-hmm. It was having major issues on my health. Uh, and I was like, I, I went to, you know, provincial advisory and the, the status women, the women's center, women resource development. I went to everyone. I was like, please just help me. How do I deal with this? No one had answers. Uh, so I eventually left that six figure full-time permanent job at 30 uh, because my kidney stopped working. And uh, so, uh, and then I started a job with uh, Women in Resource Development, working with all women again. And I was designing um, and implementing programs for grade nine girls to be exposed to trades and technologies because then they're more likely to go into trades and technologies um, uh, when they're older. Again, you know, promoting that economic um, empowerment. And when I was at uh, doing one of my programs for grade nine girls, I, uh, I had one of my, uh, uh, so I had grade nine girls from all across Newfoundland and Labrador come together for this huge kind of like workshop, weekend workshop at the Marine Institute. And uh, uh, I had them paired up. Each class was paired up with a mentor. Uh, it was a mentor in a male dominated field. And so the, one of the engineers from one of the big oil companies comes up to me during this weekend and she says, um, Kelly, can you take my name off the 
program for this next year? And I was like, oh, sure. Is everything okay? And she says, you know, no, you know, the program is great. You're great. I just can't in good conscience tell a young woman to come into this work. And she was an engineer in one of the big oil companies. And it just hit me, you know, we're encouraging all these young women uh, to go into these trades of technologies and STEM and engineering and tech and all these things. And then we completely abandon them mm. with no resources, just like I was like, I just needed, I wanted, I want, I'm a, I'm a type A, tell me how to do something, <laughs> give me the rules and I'll figure it out. And so uh, I realized that uh, we really need to support the women that are in those male-dominated fields. So from there, I started interviewing and going out to coffee with anyone uh, who would, who would uh, go out to coffee with me and tell me about their good experiences, bad experiences um, in male-dominated fields. And I, I got about 10 years of that now and on top of the academic research I've done and, and my own life experiences that I now put into workshops and programs. Uh, so I do uh, workshops and topics uh, for women in male-dominated fields, and I also then help women one-on-one uh, -on -one, uh, with who are who are wanting, you know, support, level up, uh, various kinds of things. I, women in business, women in tech, women in finance. Um, it's actually very interesting how with the same same kinds of things women are dealing. Women in trades, women in finance, or women in tech, women in engineering very similar kinds of cultural uh, things. So Strong Women Co. is my company. Um, and so we moved here to the Netherlands uh, about a year, five months ago. Of course, I came thinking I'd be able to do all kinds of workshops uh, and then COVID. So it's been different. I've been doing things online. Uh, I still have my podcast uh, on the go and about uh, 45,000 followers on Facebook. And and uh, so that's, that's live. It's growing. Um, and so that's what I do. Uh, and I am here in the Netherlands with my uh, amazing husband, uh, who's a tender engineer for a Dutch company here. Uh, so we moved here and our six-year-old Violet, who's the light of our lives, and 16-year-old Daisy, our, da our, our dog, who uh, is still kicking and uh, uh, very amazing. So we are, uh, you know, here and settling in, um, but uh, I, I'm very kind of excited to for conferences to start up again um, because I really miss that in-person kind of thing, but in here in, uh, in Europe. Yeah, there, it seems to be going back to quote unquote normal. So I'm excited for that. That's fantastic, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Miss Renata Lang, you give us the spiel. What do you want us to know about you and what you're passionate about? Take it away, Renata. Well, I use she and her pronouns and I have, I guess, different identities, um, Indo-Caribbean, Austro-Hungarian, Canadian. So I am mixed race. I am, of course, the daughter of Miss Sorogeny Lang, who is the panelist uh, moderator, of course, and the host of Caribbean Connections. <laughs> so I have um, big shoes to, to fill, so to speak. I am... I have lived in only two provinces in my life in Canada, in Toronto and the greater Toronto area, and that for half my life and now in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador for the other half. And even though that is still the context of Canada, those two regions couldn't be more different in many, many ways. And um, so I guess coming into my own identity growing up as a teenager and as a woman um, has been, you know, a very eye-opening experience. But what has molded me so much about 
being able to live in in two different, um, even just two different Western contexts as is it's broadened my perspective and it's grounded me and uh, given me, I think, an appreciation for some of the often overlooked things in this everly, ever increasingly busy capitalist digital world. Um, you know, what I really appreciate, appreciate about the province here is that quality time that we get with our loved ones and that sense of community. And I really got, um, I found my own sense of community once I was finally able to explore the university spaces and get some hands-on organizing experience and was very privileged to be empowered by other women to run in my students' union and serve for two terms on the executive. Our first term being at the time, um, a five team executive of people who are all identified as women. And um, that was of course, very, um, very empowering um, and incredibly challenging. As, as much as it might just be, you know, on a campus level and in some ways a university community is, is a little bit of a bubble, um, in some ways very idealistic with people's values and passions and the amount of effort different people put into, into change. Um, you know, there were a lot of, uh, you could say critics. And, uh, you know, when you're in an elected position, what I've learned is no matter how small, everyone has an opinion on what's being done, no matter how much or how little they know about the process. And so that really allowed me to develop a very thick skin. And, um, you know, thinking about what Kelly shared, um, you know, that experience really taught me how to mentor and identify talent of traditionally underrepresented groups and, and try to bring those into those spaces. And then I also eventually had a dilemma um, of how much I was going to, I guess, bring other people in because that space, those spaces are, were also incredibly challenging, especially for those with, uh, you know, traditionally underrepresented identities. And then now I, I work as a diversity officer. And so that's given me a whole lot more um, experience and perspective, particularly with the lens of migrants, especially newcomer migrants, those who speak English as an additional language, and those who are displaced by conflict um, and by things that are outside of their control. And it's given me a, a much deeper appreciation, I think, for many of my privileges as um, the, that come with, with my identity and my location. Um, and, uh, but also, you know, reminded, remind, reminds me um, the continual advocacy that we need to do um, as Canada is absolutely a wonderful country. And just because I'm critiquing it, um, it, it actually means very much that I do love it because I want it to, to be better. And um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in my late 20s. I have some things uh, I feel like I, I'm coming into my own and many things that I'm still figuring out what comes next for me and, uh, and my journey. Thank you, Renata. Mm -hmm. And a big thank you for all of you inspiring and 
and wonderful women. I feel so honored to have you on the program today. And I do want to thank you for taking time away from your busy schedules, really and truly. And I know we're going to have an awesome discussion here today. And as we all know, this International Women's Day is March 8th, just a few days away. And this year's campaign theme for International Women's Day is Break the Bias, Gender Equality Today for a Sustainable Tomorrow. So each one of our panelists will be speaking on this topic. And, you know, we'll also have some enlightening discussion. But Barb, we're going to start with you. Break the bias, gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, it's nice getting to know all you ladies. Of course, I know Renata and Sarojini and uh, Dayden, um, who I hope to interview on my show very soon because she's also an accomplished author. Um, <laughs> and I want to have her on my show and uh, talk some more. Um, so, yeah, so today in keeping in uh, context with the theme, you know, breaking the biases and gender equality, I wanted to talk. Oh, first of all, I just want to say, you know, prayers go out to the people in Ukraine and prayers go out to the women in Ukraine as perhaps they can't celebrate International Women's Day this year the way uh, we traditionally do. Um, they're under war right now and attacks. So, um, my hearts go out to everybody there and prayers to them. Um, so for me, I decided to talk a little bit about oppressive words, terms, and phrases uh, towards women that have somehow been ingrained in us, both male and females, in our minds. Um, and, and how do we take the next step towards breaking the cycle? Um, so when we, Jacob, when we think about the, the phrase, you guys, we say it a lot. Like women say it, men say, hey, you guys, hey, guys. And, you know, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said that in a room where there was no guys, there's no males here anywhere, um, you know, I would probably be rich. Um, so it, it, it leads me back to thinking, like, why do we do this? Like, why, even as a female, you know, I go in the room sometimes, like uh, for the past four years, I've consciously made an effort not to say that, but sometimes it slips out. And like, why is this ingrained in us? Is it in our conscious and our subconscious? You know, um, we like we say it and we don't really know all of the effects. So now needless to say, women have come a long way. I mean, Kelly has running um, a women's strong company. Dan's an author amongst uh, many other things that she does, you know, working at MUN, everything else, and Renata and mom. And, and, and it's like, um, you know, we've come a long way. We have our first vice president, you know, Kamala. We have our, you know, first female black uh, uh, vice president. So yes, we have come a far way and yes, we have done things, but we still face barriers. We all know it, you know, the glass ceiling effect, it's still happening and hasn't stopped or it hasn't changed just because there's been um, people talking about it. So for instance, um, the massacre that happened in Montreal at Lake, Lake Hole Polytechnic, um, and excuse me if I don't have my French accent very well with the pronunciation, I try my best. Um, but, you know, here was a male um, engineering student that couldn't cut it and got kicked out of school. 
And all he could think about was to come back and kill all the females that were there just because they were doing well, they were smart, and they could do it. Jealousy. In Toronto, I remember coming home and hearing the news, sorry, not even making it home, getting a call on my way home about the man that uh, in the van that uh, was uh, driving on the sidewalk, hitting people down, uh, I think the summer before I moved here to Newfoundland. And uh, he was he was side, trying to sidestep the men. So he went up, like there was a senior woman sitting on the park bench, you know, he hit her and he was trying to miss the men, but he got some, but that was his only goal because he felt that I can't get a date. Every woman I get rejects me. So then I have this hate now for all women again, yet here we are not minding our own business as women, but somebody having such a deep hate. Now in Toronto, I'm not sure about the rest of the country, but in Toronto every year we have take back the night, which is when, um, you know, we women march on the streets at night and we, we march in a uniform way. And this is very empowering. It's very enlightening. It, it's, it's, it's very moving. I mean, the first time I went, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so empowered right now and so strong, you know, only to find that on one of the occasions, a woman going, heading home from the event was assaulted by a male. Like, so here, here we were taking the power of the night because we were power in numbers. But then again, we become vulnerable to, to predators um, who look at us that way after leaving such um, a moving event. So now, like, so it does help us as women to feel empowered and women all around the world uh, to feel that, you know what, I am just not an object. I am, you know, I'm, I'm more than that. I have a brain. I can actually do things. So, you know, it's 2022 now, and we still have sporting events where women are, are wearing a, a bra and perhaps a, a panty-like uh, a garment, um, like type of underwear um, in a man's sporting event, boxing, you know, UFC, whatever it is. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, it's 2022, it's not back in the day. Why can't these women be wearing something really elegant? Why is it that, that, they, that they have to be always objectified instead of looking beautiful and elegant at, um, at, at the event? Um, so um, it then gets me towards language and, and perception. So in the 70s, um, there's this show on, there's this cartoon on, uh, it's an adult cartoon on, um, on Netflix and it's called F is for Family. Now it's definitely an adult cartoon because they swear a lot and use a lot of profanities, but, but it's, it's based in 1974. And the language that they use is incredible towards women. So, you know, a woman in the workplace telling her, oh, yeah, I get my coffee. That's all you're good for. You know, you get coffee. Um, oh, if a woman is not supposed to be smart in math, only a man's supposed to be smart in math. And if somebody got great, if a woman got great grades in math, then she cheated. She didn't. She she's not smart enough to do that. Um, so it. Um, I, I was talking a, a couple of weeks ago, I brought my car in to get repaired. And when I brought my car in and I hand the mechanic the key, he said, uh, oh, where is she? And I said, you mean, where is he? Right? Why does, why does it have to be my car be a female? No, my car, I gave it a male name. So it's, it's like it's ingrained and these assumptions are ingrained in people's mind. If a man is single, uh, past a certain age, oh, he's a he's a stud. Oh, he's a Don Juan. Oh, he's a 
uh, eligible bachelor. But if a woman is single past a certain age, something, maybe something's wrong. Why is she single? You know, so again, the language, the perception, you know, um, a man can sleep with as many women he's want and they'll say, oh, what a player. Oh, you're a player. A woman does the same thing. There's names that they call this, uh, call a woman. So, and my last example is um, when a man and woman have children, it seems that uh, the woman is take as a caretaker, I'm taking care of the children today. But if she leaves the man alone with the children to go somewhere, it's like, he would say, oh, I'm babysitting today. No, you're not. You're taking care of your child. Anyway, so my question to the panel uh, out there is, how do we undo what has been engraved in our conscious and subconscious? And how can we change these perspectives? Where do we start? What can we do to break the gender equalities? Um, I'll throw it out to anybody in the panel if, if you think of um, ways that we can um, we can go forward and break these um, thoughts and this way of thinking that's been ingrained in our minds, like, you know, like, hey, guys, we know that, you know, there's women in the room. How do we move forward in trying to help, if not our generation, the next generation coming up, not to see these uh, differences between uh, men and women and not to um, further oppress women? So just anybody who wants to talk on that. That's fantastic, Barb. Thank you so much. Now, we're going to circle back to that point. So don't go anywhere, anybody. But just for now, we're going to get uh, Dyden. Do you want to give your view on the break the bias, gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow? And then we're going to come back to the discussion. Take it away, Dyden. Definitely. As a mother of two young children um, who works full-time, runs a business. Um, I volunteer in my community. I also um, am completing academic, um, working on academic goals part-time. I'm always doing a lot of things and I still need to be my um, family's, uh, I need to be the manager of my home and my family. One of the biggest biases that I would advocate for breaking is that of unpaid care work, which includes domestic duties or housekeeping chores and child care or even elder care, that this is an innate function and primary responsibility of the female head or female adults in the home. Uh, coming from a country like Jamaica, who has already had a female head of state, um, Her Excellency Portia Simpson Miller, and growing up seeing in every occupation I could think of, in every um, form of leadership I could imagine, I saw women, women that looked and sounded and thought and um, were cultured like I am. Uh, it never crossed my mind until I left the borders of my island that there was a world where it was thought of as women are not as intelligent, or women are um, inferior 
or are not capable of leaders. I come from a matriarchal country. And so, I mean, even the most successful man doesn't feel he has arrived until he has um, made his mother a woman of leisure. <laughs> you know, that's the, that's the ultimate mark of a man having succeeded. If you can be um, wealthy enough to ensure your mother retires, she has a big fancy home, she has a, a nice luxurious car and maybe even a driver, then you think I've had it made. Um, so coming from that kind of culture, that kind of reality, that kind of background, and then moving and living in Asia, now um, in North America, um, traveling across different parts of the world and seeing this kind of to me, odd expectation that um, a woman would be um, subjected to um, this whole idea of you're not worth as much, whether um, economically or intellectually as a male, um, when women are the ones who taught and raised and cultivated and nurtured all these smart men. Um, we are the ones who, when they come home, having been drained from the outside world, that rebuild them and allow them to go back out. The homes that we make and we ensure are comfortable um, restores the psychological um, resilience of our householders. And if that is not there, then they can't go out and be awesome. They can't go out and change the world because they would have come from a wrecked home, you know? And so it's, it's looking at a woman and seeing the economic value that she brings to the world, the psychological value that she brings to the world, even if she never leaves her home to contribute to the workforce. That is a bias that I would stand behind breaking. Absolutely. And that's fantastic, Nida. And thank you for that. And like I said, we're going to circle back and we're going to go more in depth to these biases. So hang tight, everybody. Don't go away. Kelly, Miss Kelly Hickey, give us your thoughts on this. Break oh, so the bias. So excited to be part of this conversation. There's so many different ways we can go with this. Uh, so uh, I loved learning about Jamaica's matriarchal culture. News to me. Uh, so cool. So good. And, and it's always like a breath of fresh air to have someone who has been uh, raised and lived in patriarchal uh, society. And I would even say uh, Dutch society is even more traditional uh, than Canadian. Uh, it's very entrenched, which is very surprising. And they don't think they're traditional. <laughs> and then, and then I look at actual the division of labor and what's expected of mothers here. And there's just like a lot of weird things like violets in school. And for ages four, five, and six, there's no school on Wednesdays. So if there's no school on Wednesdays. What happens? Well, uh, moms hang out with kids on Wednesdays. And so that of course causes a few different things, um, including uh, companies that don't want to hire women who have that aged child. Um, and, uh, or, and of course, uh, it, it, you know, uh, work still goes on, even if you are, are off that day. Uh, so it's, 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 challenging and there's just more and more load put on mothers. Uh, and there's also just like, uh, here there's just a general, uh, don't complain. Shh don't complain kind of culture. Like there's a real kind of pressure of, and it's a different than in a, the juxtaposition of Canada, like you were saying, Renata, uh, 
uh, part of our Canadian identity, from what I can now see, is critiquing the government, is critiquing society, is trying to make it better. And here in this culture, it's don't critique, shh, the government's doing great job, shh. And so it's like very, like for me, it's like silencing and it feels like it's, it's very difficult for this, like I, I, I'm a lot for Canada. <laughs> So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a real lot for, for uh, the Dutch where, where you're supposed to be more traditional and, and more quiet. And, and like, even people like our, our friends will, will um, joke around with my husband, Justin, uh, uh, like, you know, someone's like texting us on WhatsApp, trying to get together. And then Justin will joke, I'll, I'll uh, ask the boss and get back to you. Cause I am the family manager. I do have the schedule. He, you know, this is part of our division of labor. And then he'll get the, the remarks back is like, uh, yeah, we all know Kelly runs that house. And it's like, but it's said in a, in a, in a weird way, you know? Um, and so there's just a lot of like different judgments that seep in. So uh, just breaking the cycle of this, this gender, traditional gender ideas, and that women should do things and men should do others. Um, and, and uh, you know, that's from everything from, from household labor to, to different jobs. But um, I've really been digging a lot in because just from the uh, different clients I've had lately, specifically around women's leadership. And, uh, you know, getting away from this traditional idea of what a leader looks like. And in the patriarchal world, which is sadly, you know, uh, still the majority of uh, uh, the current world now in no small part due to colonization and, and spreading the patriarchy because the patriarchy uh, grows and survives by force, right? Might is right. Uh, so that uh, we need to look at uh, leadership beyond just the suit and the tie and the top-down approach. And so with my one-on-one clients and with my workshop clients, I help women to see how they are leaders in, in their lives, their families, their communities, everything, even if it isn't traditionally what we think a so-called leader may be. So uh, the example I often give is um, like how a, a mother in a house is a leader by setting the tone, literally setting the vibe, you know, setting setting the the menu, setting the the music, doing doing all of these things, we are leading, right? And one of the things that I first was really this uh, woke me up was when I had my infant, when, she, when my daughter was an infant, and I realized that uh, she looked to me and how I was to see how she was going to be. She was just looking for my cues. I was like, oh, she's looking just like a, a baby duck would do a mama duck, right? And so I started to realize like this leadership thing is so much different than this, this kind of one idea we have and how women are, are often um, different kinds of leaders. And, and, you know, there's tons of, you know, nature, nurture, who knows? Uh, but uh, there's women often laterally lead. We build consensus. We check in with people. We're more communicative. Uh, lead by example is how uh, many women I know uh, uh, lead versus this top-down do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. So I think we need to break those barriers and start to see you know, um, our own power uh, uh, around what we're literally doing in our, for our families and our communities and our workplaces. Because uh, one of the reasons I started Strong Women Co. was um, it was kind of my own kind of existential crisis identity, trying to figure out how to contribute positively to this world so that there would be a future for my daughter. That is, that is hopefully better. But honestly, at this point, I just hope it's recognizable 
environmentally to to the to the life that I was able to leave without you know these extreme weathers uh, and all that and one of the so we've got this huge ship of uh, capitalism and exploitation and uh, damaging the environment that we need to turn and we need to turn very quickly we are already past the point of no return we know this and so one of the best ways looking at the data, one of the best ways to uh, change our systems, our policies, our priorities, our societies, is to put women in decision-making or, or allow women or, or encourage women uh, to be in decision-making bodies. So that's everything from your PTA to, you know, uh, your, your workplace to running for council to, you know, uh, uh, being uh, going for that promotion, doing whatever you can to be in a decision-making uh, body, and so I, I, I want to encourage, and that's why I do things that uh, you know, like my podcast and, and all of that. Is is I I feel like it's part of my life's work to contribute positively to encourage women to feel like what you have to say matters, because all the data shows the more women on those decision-making bodies, uh, the more inclusive policies come out of that decision-making bodies, the more uh, family-friendly policies, and the more environmentally friendly policies. And, you know, it's not to say that there aren't conservative women who give women a bad name, sure, 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 but they are a minority because the majority of women do have more future-minded in our decision-making. Again, is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it because, you know, uh, uh, we physically um, uh, are, are tied to nature and cycles in the moon? Lots of reasons we could speculate, but regardless, that's the data that the more women we have who feel confident enough to stand up for those leadership roles, the better world we're going to have, the better world we are going to be able to create and manifest and maintain for, for, for ourselves, for our children and our, and our grandchildren. So breaking the, the barriers and the bias uh, against traditional leadership and against, you know, the fact that, you know, uh, patriarchy tells women that they, they should be quiet. No, <laughs> we should not be quiet. And we shall not be quiet because we have important things to say. And what's really cool across the world, women have been the, the, the group of any culture to say, that's enough. <laughs> stop now you know if you look at most of our social movements they've been driven by women you know like uh stopping child labor <laughs> you know like hey we shouldn't do this you know environmental policies the environmental movement started by women so uh i i really i i think that you know yes we have come far and and it's it sometimes feels like two steps forward you know, one, two, three steps back. However, you know, uh, we are talking about fighting such a, um, such a consciousness of, of this kind of uh, male superiority. And this is when I try to talk to people in corporate world, they don't want to talk about sexism. You can't say that. You can't, you can't admit sexism exists. So I have to tread very, very carefully. And so I'll explain, and, and I bring up the patriarchy. I'm like, who knows what the patriarchy is? <laughs> And then uh, some people will be like, hmm, I was like, patriarchy is a system we live in that overvalues men and undervalues women. Mm -hmm. And every woman around that table go, oh, yeah, no, I, that's true. <laughs> no matter who, who you are and what your experiences are. So mm -hmm. let's get to a place where uh, we do not undervalue women and we stop overvaluing men and and we see that everyone has something to bring to the table and maybe maybe it's time we listen to the women mm -hmm. if we want to have any kind of future at all 
Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Kelly. And of course, with all your fantastic points, we're going to circle back and bring them up and have a real passionate and enlightening discussion. But in the meantime, Renata, let's hear your thoughts there on Break the Bias, Gender Equality Today for a Sustainable Tomorrow. Go for it, Renata. What does sustainability and feminism look like? Well, to, you know, to begin, um, we could talk about, in a literal sense, um, when we talk about our planet and the earth. I was uh, listening to a few different podcasts, um, one in, you know, in preparation for our panel to, of course, be inspired by, uh, by others um, and diverse ideas and voices. And um, one of the ladies on this podcast um, with Philia, which is a UK-based charity, um, so her name is, is Dr. Van, Vandana Shiva, and she had said, of all the women that we need to consider, um, the feminist movement in large ignores the first woman who is being violated, and metaphorically, that's Mother Earth. Um, and so, of course, a consideration for our impact on the planet, you know, we could make many arguments about what is morally important um, and what is just and you know i i think that those are incredibly important you know many many different points to make there but um you know this planet is not only you know the problem with the society that we have as it is now is very much from a what can we get from it a take and an extract and a produce and distribute and profit and um, you know that type of, of approach is is I guess you could say so aggressive. You know that that approach, that capitalist, that colonial approach of taking, and um, and not even just taking what's not being used, but oftentimes um, the power is taking over something that isn't being done or used in a way that they deem as valuable. And so, you know, this Dr. Shiva, she, she made a really beautiful point. Uh, so she was sharing in the context of South Asia. So regions that are presently known today as India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, which uh, prior to um, British colonization was one land, one copacetic, you know, group of peoples with much diversity, of course, in language and in religion. But um, did not have the, the same borders that they do today. And so, you know, she was sharing that um, there are regions of the world that from a Western perspective, um, many of our pieces of information, whether it's in our education system or, or in the bias and the perspective of what we heard in the media growing up. I know I can speak to this. It wasn't until my adult years that I was able to hear about narratives, and stories and complexities of other societies beyond just that of, of um, I guess you could say, beyond just that of having less or beyond just that of an impoverished perspective or an underdeveloped perspective. Um, and, you know, so that, that idea of having less than or being less than um, is of course incredibly influenced by 
by the power that we live in here in the West and, and what we value. Um, and so that, you know, they made a great point or she made a great point about the, so she uses the term Aboriginal, um, recognizing that's not the term we use in the Canadian context, but in this context, she shared how the Aboriginal farmers of, of that region um, were called Bushmen. So here they were people who were producing and organizing and, and incredibly, uh, of course, complex with what they've created in their society. And so these Bushmen have been cultivating that same land for tens of thousands of years and did not destroy it. And then with foreign powers, of course, other powers coming in, uh, creating a very different outcome. And when these colonial powers have retreated, whether it was, you know, by choice or by force, of course, often by force, um, you know, the, the regions and, and the conditions that they left were very, very different than, than the ones that they first embarked upon. And, you know, this can, this kind of ties into Chimamanda um, Adichie and one of her key points in, you know, her very famous TED talk is about looking at feminism and looking at the world um, with more than just a single lens and looking at, uh, you know, seeing things as an understanding things, sorry, as, an, you know, with more than just a single story and how, um, you know, understanding that other side and that other perspective, you know, seeing certain regions as underdeveloped, but then failing to acknowledge you know, what conditions had caused some of those outcomes. Um, and so, you know, I guess when it comes to sustainability in our feminism, so I'll, I'll kind of pivot a little bit now into me trying, I guess, to make peace with the feminism that I practice and I believe in in, in my daily life, um, which I, even though, of course, we talked about, you know, women horizontally face inequalities and, uh, and face prejudice and face barriers, um, you know, I, in my adult years and, and, and organizing and, and working with women um, uh, of diverse voices have been able to broaden my perspective of seeing the world through more than just my challenges or my barriers with my particular identity. And, um, and, you know, I think those of us who are in the West and, and, you know, this is what's so great about this panel. You know, we all came to know each other through the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, and if this panel were of five white European descendant, um, you know, heterosexual Christian women, I think the conversation would be very different. Of course, still have value and be applicable to those experiences. But, you know, what feminism means to us from our lived experience, um, of course, is, is, um, is you know, um, is informed by, by those different perspectives here that we have in this, uh, in this conversation. And, um, you know, I'm continually working towards, and I think we need to continue to work towards, of course, still validating, you know, still fighting for the things that are important to us and, the, and that impact us and, and not um, backing down on those things, but then also for our feminism to be sustainable, being able to, uh, just, sorry, not just being able to, but making it imperative that, um, you know, 
our conversation should include um, feminisms from around the world um, and so that people don't get left behind. And um, not only that, but so that our worldview and our way of doing things doesn't um, you know, silence the perhaps the needs and um, the more immediate needs and the more immediate concerns of, of women who have other, you know, of course, other experiences and in other cultural contexts. Wow, thank you so much, Renata, for those enlightening words. Certainly, it's so great to hear your thoughts on that. And of course, again, I'll let everyone hang tight. We're certainly going to come back and have some great discussion on that. Over to Barb now. Barb, you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Um, so you had, uh, before we went to each one of these amazing women here on the panel, you put forward a topic you would like us to delve into and talk about just before you ended uh, your spiel on Break the Bias. So would you like to put that forward again and we can all give um, our thoughts, passions, opinions, feelings on that? Take it away, Barb. Absolutely. Thank you. So my question was, um, how do we undo what has been ingrained in our conscious and subconscious? How do we change these perspectives? Where do we start and what can we do to break the gender inequalities? I want to hop right in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Diden, we're, we're going to go with you first. And then I see Kelly is waiting there in the wings. So Diden, take it away. I really love this question because when I celebrated my 38th birthday, I became fully aware that I had two more years to figure out who I am and how it is I want to show up in this world. Because where I grew up, you become a woman at 40. <laughs> yes. So between what, 18, 21, and when you are 39, you're just figuring out life, what the rest of the world is going on with. And then when you hit 40 is when you're really a woman. And I had it in my mind. I said, I don't want to be 40 and still struggling to figure out who I am and what I'm supposed to do with my life and how I want to engage with the world. And so I spent um, the last year doing a lot of work on um, who I am and decluttering my life. And a big part of that was becoming very self-aware and empowering myself on the foundation of my femininity because femininity is not tangible. It's not something you can pick up in a shop or get surgical procedures to, to acquire. It is an essence, a part of who we are as spirit beings that if he, you can have it, but become disconnected from it. Um, and I think in our struggle to um, have our rights respected, many of us have, instead of tapping into our feminine power, cast off our femininity and tried to become very masculine. And somehow we haven't figured out by trying to be super masculine we are not going to win. And so our best bet is to tap into our femininity and to embrace the power that no man 
has access to because they are not um, women and to walk in that. And so um, through a lot of my readings, courses I've enrolled in, people I've spoken to, I mean, even when I get to have the air of powerful women, I ask them questions like, how do you hold on to your femininity while being a powerful woman and going head to head with these vicious men? Those are some of the questions that I've asked over the past two years. And um, two resources that I found um, very pivotal in my um, my growth. Um, one is uh, um, The Feminine Archetypes by Aisha K. Fines. She passed away last year. And I happened to go through the test and my most dominant archetype is the sage, which anyone who knows the sage is the wise woman. The sage is the master of strategy. And everyone knows it's like everything I do is about being strategic. Um, uh, a sage has a voracious appetite for knowledge and to become an expert at anything that they tap into. Um, they tend to be in proximity to power. They tend to um, thrive in the intellectual, um, that sort of thing. And in many ways, people would view that and think, oh, it's very masculine to want to be the boss. It's very masculine to want to be super smart. It's very masculine to think logically and strategic, but it isn't. It isn't. It really isn't. When we think of ancient times, wise women, you never heard of the wise man so much as you heard of the wise woman. Um, when you think of all the great kings and warriors and leaders, they sought counsel with a wise woman who would tell them how to be strategic and to, to um, take a, um, you'd say, be gentle as a dove, but cunning as, what is it, a, a fox or something. That is femininity. It's about like the snake that, a snake is, is very, um, in many ways, very fragile, but when they strike, it's deadly, you know? And that is the spirit of the sage, I believe. And so this was one thing, resource that I tapped into in order to um, embrace my feminine and to break some of the stereotypes, to know that I can truly be a wise, strategic, intellectual, powerful woman, but still be soft still be nurturing, still mm. be in, in making impact without dominating someone, you know? And the next resource I'm going to recommend was by Rachel Rogers, which is her book called We Should All Be Millionaires. And um, her message is to tell women to stop believing all those lies that you need to marry a wealthy man. You need to um, become a slave to domestic chores. And you need to, as soon as you become a mother, you let go of yourself. And that's proof that you're a good mother because your hair is a mess, your outfit looks a wreck, and your house is sparkling clean while you are in the same outfit for the last three days, that sort of thing. She's telling you, stop believing those lies. And she says, if when you look in the mirror you don't see a gorgeous woman that you would give a compliment to then you are underserving yourself and you will show up in the world as someone who has 
no worth and people will treat you that way. She, she, she talks about the importance and going back to my, my, my point about unpaid care work, to valuing the economic and psychological value that domestic affairs, um, home management, all of that brings to the wider society, not just to your family members. And if you acknowledge that, then you know that it costs you less to pay a university student $15 an hour to do your laundry while you put your genius to working on your side hustle because you can bring in maybe a whole lot more money spending three hours working on your business and building your brand than you will generate doing laundry for three hours. She, she gives simple tips like if you spend some money and get a great haircut or a, a hairstyle that you know is low maintenance but makes you look like a 10, then when you show up to make a pitch or to look for a job, or just to go to a meet and greet, a networking event, to connect with powerful and influential people. You walk out of your home and into those spaces with a, a level of confidence and, 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 and um, value that even without you sharing all of the genius that you bring, people know she belongs there. Who is she? I want to meet her. Um, um, you know, who are you? Tell me about you. That's the kind of question you will have, not people walking by you. So those are, are two things that I would want to advocate for in, in your journey of self-aware, because it, it starts from within. Mm -hmm. We can't be waiting on um, society to empower us. We have to stop and say, who am I? I need to know who I am and what I bring and how I'm going to protect my peace, how I'm going to fuel my joy, how I'm going to cultivate the financial freedom I need to make powerful decisions. Because what? Mm -hmm. Money talks. Yeah. Money talks. Money opens doors. And mm -hmm. when it is you don't have the money to open the right doors and to talk in the right spaces, then you're going to end up with cardboard and black um, sharpies on the side of the road and being some Twitter warrior and that sort of thing. So those are, mm -hmm. are the things that I've been working on. I've been meditating on and that I would encourage everyone else to do as we seek to break these biases. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's fascinating, Died. And thank you. Thank you for that. And I know Miss Kelly is just anxiously waiting. But, Barb, before I get to Kelly there, do you have anything to add to those powerful words that Dyden just said? No, no. Um, no, I, I, I've, I sucked it all in and uh, I love it. And it's very moving for me. Her words mm -hmm. were very empowering for me. So, no, not, not, nothing at all. Thank you. Fantastic. Kelly, come on, go for it. What is your take on all of this, please? Well, I, uh, I remember kind of what I was going to say. Uh, so we're looking at how we can kind of deprogram ourselves and our subconscious, right? right. Uh, so, so uh, for me, one of the most powerful things that I've been able to do, I think one of the, I think it might've been Gloria Steinem that says, you know, uh, one of our we have to unlearn before mm -hmm. we can actually, uh, you know, feel empowered and, and understand our power. We have to unlearn because the world has told us 
uh, so many limiting things about ourselves and we've experienced um, uh, so many different uh, uh, things um, who are, which are usually other people's limiting beliefs, either personally or culturally. Uh, but for me, um, as, uh, and, I, and I related to a lot of what was being said here. So for my first 30 years, uh, I was really good at denying my femininity. And I was that because like I said, I'm a type A um, and very ambitious. Um, and, uh, I, it, I was in many male dominated fields. I've often been the first or only woman to do different jobs or be the only woman in a room or at a table or, and, uh, you know, like there's a bit of fun that comes along with that, to tell you the truth. Uh, and then there's the other part of like it being very draining and lonely and, and isolating. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, it, it was kind of killing me <laughs> to, to only put on that masculine kind of like. Um, you know, and, and to tell you the truth, like I'm in, I'm into power and, and empowering others and having the life I want. And so, uh, tell me the rules of the game and I can play. Uh, and then I was playing the game and then I was like, this is killing me. So it was after, uh, I turned 30 and experienced, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, sexism and harassment. And, uh, I, I had my whole professional life. I've experienced that, but, um, that I really started tapping in, into my femininity and, um, uh, and stopping to deny my intuition, uh, because I am a super logical person. Um, and, uh, that has served me very well. However, I was denying my soft soul voice for so long. So diving into my spirituality, um, and it's very intuitive, the, the journey of my spirituality. And, um, what's really cool is even though no one told me what journey to go on or path to take or pilgrimage to go on or anything, I can see many, many other women all across the world having very similar experiences because they are also awakening to their femininity, to their divine femininity, to the goddesses within and so one of the things that I have been doing, uh, uh, particularly, uh, it happened right before I was pregnant, but then the experience of pregnancy certainly uh, awoke that in me because I was lateral to goddess. I was a life creator, literally. Uh, and um, uh, pregnancy for me was a deeply spiritual experience. Um, and uh, it, it awoke a real woman power in me, but also I kind of just started seeing through the BS way easier. And so uh, with that, I started deprogramming and dismantling and understanding all these things like you guys and the words and, and where it comes from really. I mean, I've got my master's in gender studies. It's not like this was new to me, but it, it, it you know, knowing it up here is different than knowing it in your heart. Sorry, this is a podcast, knowing it in your brain is different than knowing it in your heart. Um, and so uh, I started to kind of really start to understand. I was raised Anglican, which is like Christian light right? Like it's like abortion and divorce are cool. We didn't really talk about sin very much. So I didn't really think it had had so much impact in me. There are female ministers uh, growing up uh, in church. However, uh, there was still, it was the father, son, and Holy ghost. There's no woman in there at all. And then when I started to learn about, you know, uh, the patriarchy and how it went hand in hand with the Abrahamic three religions, uh, the uh, Judaism, uh, Islam, and uh, Christianity, which are the only three religions in the history of humanity that don't have a female deity. Uh, I was like, huh, huh. And then so I just started just picking this all apart. And, and I started to understand the symbolism. And um, uh, you brought up the snake. And I was like, yes, because the snake, do you know what the, the snake is? The snake is the divine feminine. There are so many goddesses. And and like, I mean, like 
the hand carved goddesses that are 10, 20, 30, 40,000 years old that have snakes. I, I've, I could grab one probably if I right now to show you, cause I, I have so many. Uh, and so I was like, what is with this snake thing? Sorry, right, because, I need to see that later. Oh, okay, do I, I, I'll send some pictures because like <laughs> goddesses throughout my house here. But um, uh, there's when, the Minoan snake goddess in particular, I'm thinking she's like holding two snakes. And so I was like, you know, I was taught in my Christian light upbringing, snakes, the devil. Mm-hmm. snakes the things and even in the irish right like they stamp out the snake saint patrick right and so i was like oh so that's what it was it's the christian the 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 patriarchy religions were so afraid of the divine feminine and the power that they made they vilified it and made it the worst thing and the thing that you had to to, to snuff out and crush and kill and be afraid of and it was the snake so-called in the garden of eden that so-called made mm-hmm. uh eve uh uh eat from the tree of knowledge. And that was a sin. What's so sinful about knowledge? <laughs> Why is that a bad thing? Exactly. Uh, so, so it's like all these things, you, when you start to pick it off, it's like, it's like this thread that it, it just starts uh, falling apart. And so for me, once I started taking it apart, uh, and then I started just listening to my intuition and, you know, the, my soft soul voice and then the universe, the goddess, all of that kind of just was laying out all these gifts for me when I was uh, keen enough to be open to it. And so it was uh, um, when I when Violet was just about two um, and I went on a goddess pilgrimage in Crete where uh, for two weeks we went to all these ancient sacred sites of the Minoans and the Minoans um, lived about 2500 B.C. Um, at, in Crete. Um, and they were a pre-patriarchal people. They were, they were matriarchal. And, and Kelly, this is Crete in Greece, just for yes, our listeners yeah, Crete, to know. Yeah, okay. Crete in Greece, yeah. And so uh, it was amazing to see how advanced they were, where they had like plumbing <laughs> and like gutters, and they had this sharing community, um, at, at, and they, because they didn't put any resources into defense, or any resources into battle or soldiers because they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, wow, where could we be? Where could we be if we stopped putting so much of our resources into fighting each other? Mm-hmm. We could be in, in, in a place where you know climate change is, is not something we're concerned about. We wouldn't be thinking about war, it would be a completely different way. So for me, and and there's been so many books, The Chalice and the Blade was a huge book for me. Uh, uh, Rianne Eisler, uh, she talks specifically about um, uh, tapping into our goddess past, where we loved and revered women and mother nature and seeing them as the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's so interesting. You talked about that too, uh, Renata, like in every single language, nature is feminine right? Mm-hmm. La nature, mother nature in every, every culture, we consider it feminine. And it's part of the patriarchy and part of the capitalism system. And of course, those two go hand in hand, that um, it's about dominating and exploiting and make, making it yours, right? And, and, and owning and, and, and depleting. And, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't throw this word around lightly, but, you know, the, the sexual assault or raping of women and the, and the raping of, of, of Mother Earth are, are, do go hand in hand. And so for us to move away from the paradigm of, of domination and towards the paradigm of uh, cooperation and partnership, uh, like this is, this is where uh, uh, it, it really has helped me to kind of get into my psyche and to see that there is another way to live. And there is a, a, another way that we could uh, be living and creating. And, and in fact, 
uh, our current path is assured mutual destruction for us all. And we need to change that path. And one of the mm-hmm. ways we could do it is exactly what you were talking about, Barb, is getting into our subconscious and, and dismantling and, and, and rejecting, you know, these limiting beliefs of the patriarchy. Uh, and uh, so that we can um, uh, change and, 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 uh, and grow and, and have a, a better future for, for ourselves. And honestly, to tell you the truth, I see it as part of our human evolution. Really, mm-hmm. that's that's how I see it. Is all of this is you know like a hundred years ago we were chopping off children's hands for stealing loaves of bread, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we morally you know we're, it's not a perfect line, uh, but I I do believe that the, with more education and, and getting to to humanize other people's experience, we we are not dehumanizing them, and uh, we can then uh, realize how we're all in this boat. We're all in the same boat together here uh, mm-hmm. and everybody, everybody belongs. And uh, we, we need to make a decision with everybody in mind uh, mm-hmm. about how our future is and can be. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kelly, I couldn't have said it better. And I'll have uh, everyone jump in. But Renata, I'll move over to you if you want to hop in on the discussion and any burning thought, desire, wish that you want to bring up, take it away and then we'll circle back. Sure, thank you. Yeah, I've got a couple talking points in mind, but could folks just remind me what was the prompt, Barb, that you had said again? <laughs> Quite a few minutes back. So we just need Barb to put her mic on there. Thanks, hon. Um, uh, just basically, how do we undo what has been ingrained into our consciousness and subconscious? And how can we change these perspectives? Where do we start and what can we do? Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, so. How do we do you want Barb to say the point again and then you take it away, Barb? Yeah, just the just the key keywords there. Yeah. Or if was... anyone anyone in the chat, you can edit this out, Mom, or those yeah, key, uh, key keyword prompts that she was sharing. It was pretty much to uh how do we uh stop get into our subconscious uh so that it's not this automatic you guys like like the, these um, ideas that we have that perpetuate stereotypes that perpetuate uh, the biases. Mm-hmm. How how do we fundamentally sh- shift and change things so um, it's not so hard to stop saying you guys? Mm-hmm. Mm, oh yeah. So that what is in our okay? So subconscious, right. challenging our subconscious, and uh, and feminism. Um, yeah. To pull, um, to pull off of some of what Kelly was sharing about where we put our energy and our effort, um, you know, I oftentimes when it's discussed, a region or a country slash state, and what makes it advanced, um, you know, we can look at that from different perspectives, and in so many different fields, especially in panels about politics and on the news, military power is, is always a central part of that discussion. And, um, and I'm speaking to this because, you know, of course, going off of that, that notion of um, conquering, um, you know, going hand in hand with, with patriarchy um, and, and capitalism, um, you know, when we think about not only what our what our values are and what where we put our resources, but 
Um, I like that that Kelly gave us that example of that society, um, you know, however many years ago and how advanced they had become um, because they didn't need to put money into into defense. Um, and so, you know, arguably this type of hyper masculinity is um, is a foreign policy issue. When we talk about development and peacekeeping and uh, and of course, you know, helping others, if, if we look at so many of the cases where we have to uh, bring in and welcome and, and provide assistance, um, there are people that have been displaced by um, by, of course, by conflict and and by war. I um, yeah, I, I really I really believe in that so so firmly. Um, you know, where would we be if if we put our resources into uh, into other things? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that Dieden touched on femininity because um, that was something that this is something that I think now at this stage in my life, um, I am learning to be. Uh, more in tune with and I'm sure that will continue you know throughout my life but um, you know thinking back to to my experience at the students union in particularly um, I had associated me doing my job the best when I was acting in a in a dominant way and what's interesting is that wasn't my nature that was, those were a series of habits and actions because I felt like that's what I had to do to survive the constant, um, you know, and when I talk about this, I often find it must sound so exaggerative. You know, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch, a bunch of students. What, what could they possibly be getting on about? But um, Kelly, I feel like you, you might've had some experience in, in student spaces at a time, but young people are very passionate people no matter what side of an issue that they are on. And so, you know, I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say, you know, so for two years, I'm sitting in these biweekly board meetings. And uh, in particularly, when I was with that team of executive women, we would go in and to prep before each board meeting. Every single time, a chunk of that energy and that prep work was bracing ourselves for the challenges that the same group of men would bring to the board meeting. Not always about the specifics of a topic and how are we going to discuss it with the board and, and you know, what points will we bring up to support it? And, you know, how do we, you know, what, what counterpoints, but it would be in particular, sometimes not even just the, 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 particular the specifics of the goals or the projects that we wanted to work on but even how do we address them in a way that people wouldn't try to co-opt that meeting space and shut us down Um, whether it was you know this way of taking away our authority and our power um, or derailing the you know the goals and the projects altogether and so much energy was spent in that mode. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was, uh, you know, and so, like I said, you know, my, my way of, of surviving that, I think in some cases was to be direct and, and dominant. And in some ways it might have been effective for, you know, for whatever I was trying to do, but um, it wasn't until I came out from that, that, and, and as I got older, I thought to myself, 
why does that have to be the only way for us to to lead um, or to you know to perhaps defend off uh, you know people who challenge us and and so I think you know I love when Dieden you know posed this um, womanhood and femininity and I think I'm still working through I, I think that that is perhaps a, a really beautiful part of womanhood whether it's for ourselves as individuals or, or defining what that means beyond just material terms, beyond just, you know, an external appearance or, or a way that we, we would do ourselves up, which can still be very feminine, but not only that and not just limiting, limiting it to that. Um, and uh, on a personal note, I don't know if I still know what that looks like, but even allowing myself, I guess, to unpack that is uh is i think very powerful and i what i'm trying to touch on is that as i have progressed through different jobs and spaces i had associated my progression as a professional and i had associated success with more masculine traits with me adopting more and more what i'm now realizing were masculine traits and I'm trying to find that balancing act between surviving and trying to, to achieve things for myself with the systems and the norms that currently exist, but then also finding a way to bring about, you know, my, my own nature, not even just for, for my own well-being and embrace that femininity, but also, you know, what precedent am I, am I setting for myself for the women around me for others that that might may or may not look up to me yeah mm -hmm. so that's that's what I would share about you know challenging bias well excellent points Renata really and truly and I know everyone would want to address some of those and Dyden I see you're putting up your hands and anxiously waiting to say something take it away girl I really, really loved um, a lot of what you said, Renata, and it triggered me to think of some of the um, comparisons I've made about femininity and how it is supported or repressed in different societies I've lived in. And I love how you mentioned how a lot of societies think that they're um, uh, are you we could, yeah, uh, we could wait a, a couple seconds if you got to attend to oh, motherhood. This is, this is part this is of stuff. it. Right? So I was going to say is like Eggs. kids, kids sounding in the background is literally part of being yeah. a woman. Exactly. Not, not for everyone, but it's part like like family life. I think it is, is a sign of, of, the, of the low value we place on unpaid, unpaid care work. <laughs> Because my mother did not live in this time and she never had that because guess what? They all had domestic help. But anyway, back to my point. Yes, go um, on. I, I, I loved how you highlighted that many of the superpowers of today um, point to their military prowess as the trophy and proof that they are an advanced society. But when I was growing up, everything that we celebrated about being a, an advanced society back in Jamaica was things like maternal health, 
when we compared the, um, the, the maternal mortality rate in Jamaica versus all these so-called first world countries. And we took great pride in that. Um, I am living in somewhere like Japan and now in Canada, I've considered these factors, things like whether you have maternity leave, paid maternity leave and paternity leave, whether you have paid childcare time, um, things like if there are supports for members of the workforce that um, help them to be better parents, do you give them paid time off to go and attend um, parent-teacher conferences? Um, if you have a, um, a great respect for the childcare industry, um, are jobs within childcare respected professional um, um, roles? Um, can people leave um, school and say, okay, I'm going to get certified or licensed in the field of childcare? And people think, oh, you're doing an awesome job. Um, is childcare accessible to all? Is childcare affordable for all? Mm -hmm. um, these are some of the things that for me, mark an advanced society. And in a weird way, all those societies that have great military prowess are the ones where maternal health, um, parenting mm -hmm. leave, paid um, um, maternity leave, um, childcare accessibility, affordability, and respect for the professions with those views, they are low. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really hope we can shift in that area um, if we are, are, are looking to advance women. And when uh, the second point you made, Renata, that I'd like to comment on briefly was when you mentioned that struggle of finding the balance of how do I balance, because we don't need to go 100% feminine. We can find a balance and we can identify um, what era do I lean into in this context? Because there are times when our masculinity is relevant. If you are out taking a walk by um, with your kids and you need to be alert of your, uh, um, your environment, where they are playing, if they're doing something dangerous, you are in protector mode and you lean into your masculinity in a context like that. But the part that I think, and I remember my sister and I had a conversation recently where she was saying, as Barb talked about reprogramming, mm -hmm. femininity means rest. Think of all the ancient African queens and um, heads of state. When you saw their portraits, they were always reclining. Mm. They never sat on their throne, gripping the armrest and looking fiercely at their subjects, they were always reclining. Mm. When you saw even European portraits of wealthy, powerful, influential women, their portraits, they were reclining. And so if we can shift into a space where we make personal decisions and societal decisions that support rest for the women, then that is where we make a big change. We make a big change when we prioritize opportunities to play. Amazing. Prioritize opportunities mm -hmm. to create. Mm -hmm. Prioritize opportunities to receive because mm -hmm. we're always giving. But you notice that um, when we are giving birth and we are, as they tell you, push, mm -hmm. which 
Um, hypnobirthing tells you don't push. They tell you just <laughs> to receive the birthing of your child, birthing themselves, which I did hypnobirths for both children. If you are receiving, you are relaxed. You cannot receive with a clenched fist. If you release, you have to be, you, if you receive, you have to be open. And when someone says, can I help? Can I do this for you? When he's, oh no, I'm good. I got this. I've been doing this all my life. I, you know, I, that's not in a, a, a mode of receiving. And so when we start getting into the mode of receiving, of creating, of playing, of being at rest and prioritizing it and feeling comfortable to just lay in your bed and stare at the ceiling and nothing is wrong. That's mm -hmm. when we shift into our feminine. That's fantastic. Oh my, certainly inspirational and passionate. I love it. And I know Kelly's got a lot to add to that. Kelly, take it away. <laughs> uh, Dieted, Renata, mwah, love it all. Love it all so very much. Uh, I've uh, kind of, uh, as I've dived into my femininity and my intuition, I have uh, started a uh, rest revolution for myself um, in honoring my cycles as well, um, because the whole capitalist patriarchal system, you know, is is like the stock market it's supposed to be on a constant growth system, right? I was like, that does that's not how nature works. That's not how anything works. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's been one of uh, it's been one of my deepest challenges, to be honest, uh, because I am an action taker. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I've I've seriously had to deprogram myself um, and uh, to to uh, force myself sometimes to to do nothing or or to listen to that intuition that says, "Hey Kelly, you can just sit down and binge watch a couple of episodes of Netflix and not work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know or." go for a walk or, or do the things. Um, so I think this rest revolution, uh, which is again, us going back to, uh, you know, so-called older ways or, or the matriarchal kinds of ways of, of women's power. Mm -hmm. And I love Renato, what you were saying too, is like, you know, when we talk about so-called advanced or developed, I hate that word, uh, nations, uh, we're presuming so much that is based on pat patriarchal value system. It's like, you know, how advanced are we if the system we're on assures our mutual destruction, you know, uh, when we're looking at indigenous people everywhere in the world, if it's, you know, in, in uh, Australia or Asia or North America, uh, you know, uh, or even here in Europe, uh, you know, the way that uh, we were doing things years ago, or in some ways, even still now for indigenous people, like how, how long could we survive mm -hmm. forever? probably forever, pretty close to forever. Um, and uh, so, you know, we do, we presume that the industrial revolution was also advanced. Was it? <laughs> was it really? Um, you know, where again, in a hundred years, we've gone from um, having a world that should have lasted us essentially forever until the sun ran out or an asteroid hit us uh, to a world that is in catastrophic uh, demise from human um, intervention. And uh, so it's, it's very interesting. And I think we do need to start to switch our perspective on what actually is an advanced society and is an advanced society. Oh, I love the maternal health being a, an indicator. Of course it is. And, and, uh, uh, and looking at, it was super interesting that you said that, uh, Diane. So the maternal health of say Russia or America, horrible. <laughs> and they're the, some of the cultures who are the most aggressive militarily of the world. So like there really is this kind of, you know, um, a pattern that we are seeing. 
And uh, uh, just to touch on something you said, Renata, about trying to find your own leadership voice. What's funny is because I am such an action taker, I'm like a really, I'm a person, I just want to get things done. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think about things too much. Like I am like, don't get me wrong. I'm an overanalyzer about, you know, things I say or do, but, but when I want to get something done, I'm passionate and I do it. I'm a manifester. I wanted to live in Europe and here I am. And, uh, but so what I found interesting for my own personal voice, which is when you're young, you're just trying to figure it all out. Just like Dyden talked about figuring out who she was a woman. This is literally, it's, it's the rite of passage. And you can only figure out who you are when you face adversity or conflict or, or you know, someone who's, who's out to get you. And to tell you the truth, I've worked with women, uh, high-performing women who have had a lot of adversity and uh, other high-performing women who haven't. And uh, the ones who haven't had the traditional ideas of adversity, you know, from um, uh, issues of trauma, childhood, or, or, or any of that, um, they don't have the same kind of confidence in themselves as those who did face the adversity and have been able to build those resilience uh, in belief in themselves. But for my own leadership, um, I am kind of a dominating person. (laughs) And so uh, for my understanding, my femininity, and also understanding as as a woman with fair skin, with European heritage, who has a lot to say, um, I have had to uh, teach myself to create space for others. And that has been kind of like one of my challenges, but also priorities in how I lead mm-hmm. and, and uh, realizing like, I already know what I think. I want to know what other people have to say and what they think, because that broadens not only my perspective, but then allows them to, to have the floor, to share their ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the legacy I want to leave behind with, with my leadership style is to not be the traditional domination, which has really done been great for me. That's why I, I excelled so much in male dominated fields is because I was traditionally kind of so masculine in, in that way. Uh, so uh, just to kind of speak to that for as people are trying to figure out their voice and their leadership and, and how exactly do you do you inspire and encourage and communicate uh, your ideas and, and talk to each other while, uh, while still creating room and, and space uh, to hear other people? Because I do believe that is that's that's why women's women's circles. Right. Mm-hmm. As, like we, we talk about in, 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 in all matriarchal and indigenous societies, we're in a circle. And even if, you know, you're, you're a priestess or you're an elder or, you know, whatever is everyone still is equal in a circle. And this, this whole hierarchy that, you know, uh, businesses and, you know, engineering firms and everybody is like, you know, uh, in, uh, I, I, I severely reject that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, it's like, this is not helpful. <laughs> Let's go back to the circle. And, you know, I do want to really thank all of you for those thought-provoking and awe-inspiring words and conversation. And, um, of course, we're looking at the time and we know that we're going to have to wrap up. But, of course, I want to hear one more time from all of you. And Barb, unfortunately, an emergency came up and she had to run off, but if she can, she'll come back and join us for the conclusion and cluing up of this wonderful discussion. And I'm having such a great time. I don't know about you guys, hey? <laughs> oh, fantastic. So um, 
You know, Dayden, um, we're going to clue up things. And we heard a lot today, really and truly. I mean, you guys have given me even so much to think about. You've opened my eyes to a lot of things, each of you. I mean, my gosh, even at this stage of my life, I can't believe I'm still learning so much. Not that it's a surprise, but so much more. And, you know, Barb mentioned at the beginning, she talked about the subconscious and, and being conscious of what we say, like referring to a car as he or she, you know, giving uh, genders to various things in the room. Dinan, you touched a lot in the matriarchal, matriarchal society in Jamaica, which is fantastic to hear. And, you know, Kelly, you brought up some good points about lateral leading and, you know, women in these decision-making bodies where we can see absolute change, great change, and, you know, nature versus nurture. And of course, Renata, not forgetting you, uh, I'm not leaving you for last. I know I'm trying to go alphabetically and still be fair. <laughs> you know, you talked about um, the colonial approach and, you know, in your adult years still, hearing about complexities and, you know, looking at the world with more than one lens. So, you know, on these points, uh, let's take a couple of minutes, each of us, and clue up and really give even a further empowering thought and go out with a bang. Let's start with you, Dayden. I want to encourage every listener to rest in your feminine power. Rest. Remove anything person, um, commitment, responsibility that is draining you of your joy, that is challenging your peace, and make sure that you create regular opportunities to connect with other um, positive and empowering women, that you make time to play you make time to be creative, even if it's taking your kid's coloring book and grabbing crayons. Create, play, and be receptive. Be more open to receiving as simple as help, receiving compliments, receiving guidance, receiving any type of support, and never allow the society that you live in to dictate to you that the work you do as the manager for your home and your family, that because you don't receive a salary and employee benefits for it, that it isn't making a significant contribution to the society and to the psychological health of the communities that you live in. You are making a big difference and it needs to be appreciated, even if it's just with thank yous and hugs. So um, prioritize yourself. Um, Kelly spoke of how her um, pushing herself um, in very masculine ways showed up in bad health. She's not the only one. Many of us have had similar experiences. And many of you who are listening to my voice now probably can think of many aches and pains and struggles you've had with your physical health that I will tell you is connected to your trying to be very masculine and not resting in your feminine. So if you can do nothing else, rest in your feminine, celebrate who you are, love who you are, and continue to be the best person that you can. 
Thank you. Thank you for that, Dyden. Love it. Love it. Kelly, what do you have to say to clue things up here today on International Women's Day 2022? Uh, I, I'm just loving all that, Dyden. I just feel like I want to let that hang for a second. <laughs> Absolutely. Also to, to remind myself. <laughs> we all need that yeah. to remind yeah. ourselves. Yes, yeah. indeed. That's the, that's the yin to my yang. Uh, because my, the thing that I would like to say to, uh, our wonderful listeners, um, uh, to, to the women, um, uh, listening is, uh, this is our time. This is our time, uh, to, uh, speak up. This is our time, uh, for self-discovery. This is our time to lead. This is our time to stop self-sabotage. And uh, to uh, really kind of connect to our actual power, which is far greater than I think any human woman even realizes, uh, no matter how much work you end up trying to do. Um, but I think that um, it's not even uh, working with some of the men that I do uh, in workshops and things like that, there is a spiritual awakening occurring. So it's not even just women that are realizing they need to embrace more femininity. Um, it's also, it's also men, uh, because this embracing constant masculinity is, um, it's not sustainable. It's not sustain. It's not for a sustainable, uh, happy life. So th this is our time and the world needs us. Our communities need us to, uh, uh, maybe, yeah, do things that we're a little bit afraid of. And, uh, you know, I'll let you know that growth happens outside the, co the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Oh, tell me about it. It's so hard. <laughs> and like, I'm a person like, it's really funny. Cause like, uh, I'm a real complainer in my head. Like I try not to do it so much in my mouth, but I'm a real complainer in my head. And then I have to stop my complaining because, uh, I'm an adventurous person. I do a lot of different change and then I complain about it every step of the way. And it's pretty funny, really, <laughs> but I am also hungry for change and evolution. And, uh, I, that is, that is something that, um, uh, women um, are, are, are really good at in general, because we have faced adversity, we have uh, faced challenges, um, we have had to go against the status quo to be, exist and be alive. And, and uh, uh, I, I love working with women because they remind me of, of my power and their power and the power of humanity. And we are in a place right now where we get to really kind of um, uh, steer humanity in what way we want to see. And mm -hmm. this is what I would like us to start thinking is, is, you know, um, yes, we're in the now and being present in the now is so important, but we can also think about our future and not just be reactionary to it. Mm -hmm. What future do we want to build and how do we get there? Because we are all master manifestors and we don't, it's not always effortful either is what we're talking about. The universe energies, whatever you want to call it helps us out once we decide to go um, in, in a, in a certain way. So um, I'm, you know, also wanted to give a shout out to anyone who's going through a hard time right now. Uh, uh, the last year, year and a half for me has been so hard so hard. I can't even explain um, it, or I feel like I can't even really truly be honest about how difficult it has been without, um, uh, I don't know, showing too much or being too vulnerable or something. But uh, here I feel now, because we're in a new house and we had this abusive landlord and all these things. So I feel like there's a new energy coming. It's springtime now and there's this rebirth. But I feel like 
uh, the macro is the micro, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not the only one going through this. It's like, we're all coming out of this COVID crap too. Please, please the goddess. <laughs> and uh, uh, so uh, to kind of embrace. And so our ancient, uh, the original Trinity is not the Father, Son, or the Holy Ghost. The original Trinity uh, is birth, death, rebirth. That's what nature does. Is birth, death, rebirth. So spring is rebirth. And this is where we're going now. Um, and I will say to anyone who is looking for like, you know, trying to find some kind of extra impairment um, or, or um, uh, just encouragement, uh, look up different goddesses around the world. Learn about them. Look up strong, different strong women. Um, and because every single time I learn, I read a biography or even just a Wikipedia page about a strong woman or a different goddess, I feel less crazy mm -hmm. and I feel more so-called normal, but I feel like, like I'm not this kind of um, uh, abnormality. And uh, so as I learn about more and more women and, and what they face and continue and thrive in, I feel better and better. And that's one of the things that I would highly recommend. Um, listening to your intuition, your curiosity is another word for your intuition and um, uh, look outside yourself uh, to, and you can find even more about yourself than you realize. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that, Kelly. Certainly thought provoking indeed. And yes, we will look up those goddesses. I've got to, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Renata, to clue up today's uh, passionate and inspiring discussion, what would you like to add? Even if we are in the process of discovery, embrace whomever you are at this very moment. Instead of, of course, you know, trying to be something other, other than yourself. Um, whatever it is you are, whatever whatever I guess is coming to you and you know in your true nature embrace embrace that as your as your femininity um yeah I would say that we've we've covered so many different points today and and you know ending I guess with uh with our thoughts that would be yeah that would be those would be my my concluding thoughts Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And I really, really do want to extend. I know we sort of lost Barb along the way. Uh, she had to step up for an emergency, but uh, I don't think uh, Barb came back yet. Hello, Barb. Are you there? Okay, we'll, we'll carry on, but uh, if she, we're doing this virtually just for our listeners to know. So uh, if Barb comes back before we end, she will say um, something here. But in the meantime, I would like to thank each and every one of you, Dyden, Barb, Kelly, Renata. It really meant a lot for you all to be here to share the stage with me. We've said some really good points. We've brought up a lot. You know, Dyden, you've taught me more about the matriarchal society in Jamaica. Kelly, I'm now on a quest for goddesses. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start. You're going to oh, have to I, tell I got me where. I, I, absolutely. Send this also, to us. Also, it's one of my Strong Women Co. upcoming programs. No is to way. learn about a new goddess every month. Okay, I have you, lots of things in the works. You send it to the general email to us so we can all 
chip it, uh, have this and look into it. I certainly would like to. And Renata, thank you so much for your amazing points. Um, I know you're, you know, quite a bit younger than us and always have a busy schedule, but I want to thank you for partaking. I know you always have a lot to say. You've done so much with the student union at MUN and with your advocacy and activism work. It's certainly a pleasure having you. And again, I know, Dayden, you're also going through so much with work and your personal life. And I want to thank you for taking this time away. Barb, you've got your family, you've got your job happening. Thank you. And Kelly in another country, another continent. Thank God for the digital world though, my darling. At least we're able to connect. I do have to apologize for always sending you these messages, but I think you know me by now, right, Kelly? Oh, girl, we are we are sisters. We knew each other in a past life. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, we have a common understanding and you can every message you ever send to me is a gift. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it, it, it's just I do have to give a shout out to Rhea, who introduced us way back when. And actually, we were standing literally in the hallway of CHMR. And, you know, Rhea goes, oh, listen, I think you guys should meet each other. Right. And here yeah, we then are. an hour later, we're like, oh, right. Uh, we, <laughs> we already had. Oh, I'm sorry about that, guys. Knock my microphone <laughs> there. And, and here we are four years later. And and then we spoke for, a, you know, a good bit there. And so I do want to thank you for planting that seed here in my brain that we can carry on something and have this platform on our little island of Newfoundland and Labrador and for folks to see the diversity and see the struggles that we have. We, we're only about a half a million people on this great big island, but we have the same struggles as our sisters all over the world. We share a commonality and we can learn from each other. And I wanna thank you sisters for all you've done here today, for your thoughts, your opinions, for your passionate views. And we wish everyone well. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this International Women's Day special with Caribbean Connections and CHMR. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of you, goodbye. Sayonara. Dayden, goodbye. Mad mega love, sisters. Kelly. Such an honor Renata. to be a part. Walk oh. good and make good up your walk with you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you guys. It is my pleasure. So let's all say a collective bye-bye on three, two, one. Bye-bye.